Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris, Rob, and Willie. It is 9 p.m. on Sunday, February 26th, coming to you live, as I like to say, after the best week of the season by far. (laughs) And so here we are, 15 and 14. And I posted this after our three-game win streak just a little while ago. And I said, every time I'm out, the team pulls me back in. This Godfather 3 quote from Al Pacino. But, like, man, it just is, like, here we go. Like, I feel like the mood in Nova Nation is very much a fucking better, no better time than the present. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. What a week. Yeah, I don't know. I've been uh, – I've been – I say Nancy negative. Um, my mom, God rest her soul, a uh, wonderful woman, but she was, she was pretty negative a lot of times. So they actually named that phrase after her. So I've been Nancy negative. Um, it's my diatribe to start this off for the past few weeks, but it is pretty fucking exciting to see these guys put two great wins back together. And my God, that Creighton win, that's, that's the win you need to see at this point in the year. Xavier was Xavier was great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But Creighton was just like, oh, wire to wire. Like, oh, we can win a game. Oh, we can hold the lead. Oh, we can expand the lead. We can take the punch. We can punch back. It was just uh, it, it had everything for me. Yeah, I I think what I thought was most interesting was just I'm going to give Kyle some props and it kind of stumbled into it in the Xavier game just due to foul trouble. But like we've made some adjustments and we'll talk a little bit deeper about it. But Cam at the five actually playing against opponents five has changed some things offensively for us. He did it again. He did it versus Nunji and then he did it versus Kalkbrenner. And I don't know. It's there's some fun stuff. So shout out to Kyle for that. Um, it's a great week. It was uh, I was actually skiing, so I didn't watch that game live, but I'm on the slopes and I looked down on my phone and I'm like, holy crap, it's 27 to 18. And then I'm like, holy crap, it's 40 to 24. And then I see it like 49, 20, 42. I'm like, this, this tracks. And then I look back at my phone and it's like 71, 54. I was like, we're doing this. We're doing this. And then I watched it this morning, uh, rewatched the game or watched for the first time the game. And I was like, this is, we're, we're finding it. We're finding our, we're finding our sea legs. Um, so I'm really excited. It was thorough. So unbeknownst to me, I was drinking this last weekend. Not, not, not unbeknownst. I knew I was drinking it, but I was drinking this, uh, this scotch. And so I'm going to have to buy another one. I just don't even know what I'm drinking anymore. (laughs) It's like things go in my mouth. They put it it in front of me. I just Villanova basketball has had on Chris this season. If it's it's whiskey, I'm drinking it. Let's just be honest. So I'm going to continue drinking this and I'm going to have to buy a backup bottle pretty soon because here we go, right? Like I'm not... I'm not moving off this. I'm not moving off this whiskey. I can promise you that. I'm all about the juju. All about the juju. So with that being said, yeah, I, I it looked a lot like Villanova basketball this week, guys. And like, it, here's the funny thing about this is that like, you take last, it, we just go back a season to a year ago, and let's just say you had 16th ranked Xavier and 19th ranked Creighton at home. I would have drawn up a one in one week. I would have yeah. said, oh yeah, we'll find a way to go one and one, <laughs> and I would have been happy if that team went one and one, and I would have been thrilled if that team went two and zero. Oh. And here's this team going two and zero oh this week. And I couldn't be happier. I, like, unbelievable. Like, uh, give Kyle props. I also want to talk a little bit about the foul trouble in the Xavier game that yeah. may have helped him uh, a little bit make some difference. Jay Wright stumbled into the four-guard offense. Kyle Neptune stumbled into, oh, let's put our most athletic player against their likely least athletic player. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe that works. Um <laughs> I, but yeah, the week was incredible. Xavier, uh, the Xavier game was like, I don't know how to say it better than this, but the way the Xavier game played out was how a game that we were going to win needed to play out. Exactly. As I was watching the game, just everything that was going on, I said, this has, even when Xavier like had the lead or when there's comeback, it's like, this has the bones of like a win. 
It just, everything we were doing was solid Villanova basketball and fundamental. And I felt exactly what you said. I was just like, this feels like a game we could win. And I was getting, I was extremely nervous because I was like, if we fuck this up, if we're done, we're done. We were just, that was the season at this point, but we were playing great basketball, even though it wasn't the, the most aesthetically pleasing game. Yeah. And then, and, and, and in addition to that, the way we won was like how I, I just feel like the way that this team need to get over hump, the hump playing the way that it had been playing. I don't know how to say it better than this. They need to play the way they had been playing and win that way. They need yeah. to get this game close. They need to have a game that was within five late and they need to not fuck it up. That was, like, that was pretty much what this team absolutely needed. They needed to believe that they could do that and not fuck it up. And then it was like injection of confidence. And man, we played the most confident game of basketball that I've seen us play versus Creighton yesterday. That was easily, that easily. easily. Forget everything else. We were just super confident the entire time. The team just felt like, yeah, every time I'm making a decision, I'm making the right decision. Right? Like it was just, there was yeah. nothing. The body language on the court couldn't be more polar opposites of how those two teams coming into it looked like they were going to be. Like Villanova was super confident being like, yeah, we're going to win this game. And Creighton been like, fuck, we're playing Villanova. Like, and it just looked like that. It had that written all over it. The body language was was clear from the jump, and it it played out in the final score. It really did. And candidly, 79-67 was not indicative of how close that game oh my was. Gosh, not at all. Not. We should we had a chance to go up 20 in the first half. We, we should have yeah. got them. We went like five minutes basically without scoring. Seems to be our thing, but luckily we got out of the way in the first half with a 15-point lead. But like, you know, we went five minutes without scoring. We should have been up 20 plus at the end of the first half. Somehow we hung on for, I don't know, it was 15 at the end of the first half. Like, I'll take that every day of the week. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah, that, that was pretty wild. It was, it was oh, Yeah, it was. And going back to the Xavier game, I thought it was interesting just because we needed to win a game, like you said, the way that we've been playing. I mean, we we couldn't do I – like, I felt like winning a game in, like, a blowout fashion, not that we were going to blow out Xavier, doesn't do anything for the team's, like, mental psyche. But – Closing the door on Xavier the way we did was huge. And the fact we, frankly, we did it with defense. Like the offense was falter, was sputtering down the stretch. We had like, what, two straight turnovers, a couple of like bad chucks by Cam, which weren't even like really Cam's fault. It was just kind of like stagnant, dumb offense. And someone was like, Cam was like, I'm just going to shoot it and hope to make it. But we came on the defensive end and every single time made a huge stop. Um, so that was just like, I think, I think if I take that, we just take think about how Villanova thinks traditionally about their basketball program, you know, everything's done on defense and be, being able to like lead on defense and lead on what we do defensively and stand on those principles. I, I think if I'm in that locker room, I feel great because I'm like, we did it playing the way that we've been drilled the whole entire year. And it, it worked. Finally, we finally <laughs> took out one of those close ones, which is a high quality team. Yeah. And there was one thing that I noticed about last year's team and if the switch flipped around mid January, I want to say, right. And, and I said something along the lines of, I can tell that this team is better defensively when they look like they enjoy playing defense. And for the last two games, Villanova looked like like the, the, the team looked like they enjoyed playing defense, right? Like it didn't look like it was like, I hit a couple shots and now I'll D up hard because like, because like now I'm amped up about this and I want to get on a run. Like, no, it, it looked like everything stemmed from the defense. Like we were hitting shots early versus Creighton, but like we were just methodically breaking them down because every little bucket that they got, even early on when they hit a couple threes early and whatever, it looked like they had to work really, really, really hard to score. And then ultimately we kept finding easy buckets. And when you do that to a team constantly throughout a game, you start to really wear down on them and break their spirit. And that's exactly what happened to Creighton. They like people were like, did Creighton play bad or Villanova play well? I, the answer is Villanova played really well. And ultimately it made Creighton play bad. Like Creighton played worse because like, fundamentally worse because we forced it upon them and they did not have the mental fortitude to hang in that game. That was how that game played out. And then like, yeah, they made some mini runs. I knew that they were going to make a run because that's college basketball, but like 
we had an answer every single time. And the time they got it to seven and then the game went right back to 12, it was over. You knew it was over. The body language on Creighton was just like, we can't wait to get on the flight home. That's how they looked. And Villanova forced that out of them. Yeah. You're on mute, Willie. That's because I made that, the computer made that weird noise earlier. Um, I think Greg McDermott even called that out or, uh, during his post-game press conference where he basically said, like, he felt like this was going to happen. He was scared this was going to happen. I'm sure Creighton, the players, felt the same way, like the, oh, crap, it's Villanova. Because, and Greg said it, he was like, if you watch their film over the last, give or take, month, they've been playing better and better. And he knew this game was going to happen eventually. And I think he <laughs> figured out eventually, like, it's going to happen to us, isn't it? And it did. Like... <laughs> I, I mean, that's probably why most teams in the Big East, to Chris's point that we were talking about before we started recording, like, I don't know that they want to play us right now. I don't want to be too, you know, high on Villanova, but like, I do think we're, we're a tougher out than we were. And we're a different team when we're fully healthy. And I think like, good for us. Let's do it. Let's march Nova. Like, Let's march Nova. <laughs> No, we have to February Nova one more time. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we, still, we, still got a ways, we still got a ways to go. We, we, Seton Hall is on February 28th. So we got a February Nova one more time before we can March Nova. Yeah. No, Villanova just puts Let's March Nova on like any March game. That's just what they do. And also, and apparently on the Final Four, when we lose to Kansas, yeah. I think that's why we lost because we had Let's March Nova instead of Let's April Nova. So. I know. It's the update. Ridiculous. One of the they, were, I love- they were just trying to make a bad April Fool's joke. Yeah. One of the things I loved um, talking about playing Villanova basketball is there were there were two plays um, in the Creighton game that actually stuck out to me, which I I feel like are the only two plays I can actually recall this season as like, oh, yeah, that was that seemed like the right play and like the right set of basketball versus like, oh, Cam just like broke somebody down and took it to the hole, which is always great to see, but not. I don't find all that noteworthy in terms of like our basketball prowess, but the two plays both involved the man of the hour, slim dicks, Eric Dixon, who just absolutely went off the charts and showed why I said at the start of the year, he was the best center in the big East stand by it. I stand by it to this day. I think he's been a little bit misused this year. And I think had he been appropriately used, whatever he would be, the best center in the Big East. Anyway, he's a four, as we've discussed. But the two plays are the following. One was Dixon's in the corner. I want to say, it's, I think it's for like late in the first half or so. He's in the corner. Ball comes to him. Open three. Misses the corner three. The second half. The, the second was, half. It, was it the second, second half? half? Yeah, yeah. second okay. half. Yeah, yeah. We get the rebound. It gets swung around. Dixon like starts to creep in, but then retreats back out to the exact same spot. Team finds him, no problem, wide open look, buries it. And I was like, yep, like positioning, stretched the floor, made the right decision to stay out on the outside. The team made the pass to find him. And I was just like, this is like, that's what it's supposed to be. And the other one, which I loved, also Dixon, this is just, this is like a la Omari in 18, right? And this is how Dixon should be used, yeah, Um, against especially some of these lengthy better centers in the big east who aren't as mobile cockbrenner sonogo etc and like they forced mcdermott to change how he's playing but it's like dixon had already made a couple of shots and then uh dixon got one at the top of the key pump fakes just blows right by takes it to the hoop and you're like that's what it is i watched that time and time again with omari in 18 and i was like that is what good basketball gets you that is the right decision that is an easy basket that's the way we should be playing. And I was just so jacked up to see him especially get that. Cause I think this year, not to be negative, I think this year has been um has not done Eric the service that he he deserved. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's a little my my rant on on two things that I love this this past game. And to, to your point, I won't agree with you where Eric, it's funny, Eric's been so good all year. But I think this is probably one of the few games where I feel like we fully unleashed utilizing Eric everywhere on the floor. A lot of it has been get Eric in the low post, let him bang, bang, feel the body, spin, go get a bucket, go get a foul, power, using his power. But, like, there's a lot of finesse to Eric's game. And letting that happen was, I mean, it was a good move. I don't know if it was just kind of natural with Kalkbrenner on the floor, if Kyle made that an emphasis. But it happened. Like, first off, telling Eric, shoot. because 
sometimes Eric will hesitate just a little bit because I think he doesn't want to be the one to always take the three, but this one was take it and make Carl Brenner come out and guard you. And Eric's a great shooter. Um, and Carl Brenner had to come out and guard him. And like you mentioned, then he's able to, it opens up the lanes that opens up so much for other people. Um, the two man game between him and Justin was phenomenal. I mean, Justin had eight assists and majority were just getting two feet in the paint. Someone sags in on him, kicking it back out to Eric, who's wide open. That formula, frankly, can work on every team, not just every, in the Big East, but team. in the country. Like everybody, that, like, absolutely. You have to have like maybe Houston and Jarris Walker can guard that because Jarris is an incredibly smart positional defender. But like, if we're playing Houston, fantastic. I'll see you in the Elite Eight. Like, <laughs> yes. that's a we're. Yes. <laughs> I'm not worried about the teams that can match up with that because those teams are Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen, Final Four level teams. We can do that to UConn. We can do that to. I mean, so Providence does it, it could probably defend it well, but like we can do that to Providence. We can definitely do that to Marquette. It's just, can we be consistent with it and keep this train rolling? The, the other thing I'll say really quick about Eric's performance, like the cutest thing that like was how excited his dad was on Twitter. Like yes. if you don't follow Eric's dad on Twitter, you should great follow. A great follow. He's so wholesome. He was just so happy for his kid. He was like, that's what we do, baby. He was like all capsing on Twitter. It was just very, very cute. You know who's sneaky, just also a really good fo- I haven't followed this person, but I see her tweets. Mark Armstrong's mom. Yes. I'm, I'm, Vivian I'm, Armstrong. Vivian Armstrong. I'm like, I'm like, every time I was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> yeah. Destiny already determined. <laughs> or something like that. I think that's her like line. Um <laughs> So, so, so there was one other play that Dixon was involved in. It was Dixon and Armstrong, but involved in getting a steal from, I think it was Cockbrenner, um, in the corner in the second half. I feel like it was like a backbreaking play. I forget the exact situation, but it was like a scrum. And I think Mark don't like clawed the ball away from him. And then Dixon ended up diving on the floor to get the ball or it was vice versa. And and we got the ball. It was like such a Villanova basketball effort play. It led to a big ovation in the crowd. Like people people were amped. People were like, "Oh yeah, that's what I like. That's what I pay for." Like you know, it's like the exact like typical Villanova basketball play that gets Villanova fans amped up. But like that was another Eric Dixon involved play. Look, Eric was just absolutely lights yeah. out. Eric was lights out, and there's a narrative with Dixon developing that he plays better against the bigs in the big east that get a lot of talk yeah and Cockbrenner because he's fucking better and he knows it he's a gamer man dixon is a gamer dixon's a fucking gamer man it's Um, it's funny you say that just real quick because the the big that he probably plays the quote-unquote worst against is croswell who doesn't get the love of those other bigs and i just think that's very interesting yes like soriano was getting a bunch of love yep fucking dominated Toriano like Sonogo and Cockbrenner get tons of love and of those three games he dominated those guys like like he steps up when he knows he's got a big assignment man that guy is like absolutely fucking nails he is so ice in the veins when he's got a big assignment and it's funny because there's like a there's like a narrative on Twitter it really comes from UConn fans talking shit to Creighton fans that like Cockbrenner is just big like it's like like that's like the narrative that UConn fans do that and like Cockbrenner ended up with 18 so like I couldn't say it but part of me wanted to like get the UConn fans involved and be like (laughs) and be like and be like well uh did nothing to dispel the just big rumors he's a hype merchant that's all he got he's a hype merchant oh my gosh I like that um good but but look, Eric Dixon was absolutely phenomenal uh, in this game. And I think he's going to need to be uh, down the stretch, candidly. Like, he needs to be that guy. He needs to be that guy the rest of the way. Yep. And look, in this game, the Creighton game in particular, uh, but, and, and, well, both actually Creighton and Xavier, we got very little contribution. And now this is a week straight of it. Very little contribution from Caleb Daniels. And, 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 Slater. and Brandon Slater, and Slater, but Slater was a little bit better. Slater at eight. And I think he made a couple timely plays and buckets in the yeah. game that like, he didn't come across like not involved in the Creighton win in the way that Caleb did. Caleb's been a no-show. Caleb's like, been a no-show. And, and I think 
that this is just biding some time. Caleb's going to find his stroke yeah. again, but like we need all of this to click on all the cylinders. Like, like, like let's be, be, be candid about where this team has to go here. And we'll get into that conversation in just a second, but like we need this to fire on all cylinders. And in order for this team to really realize their full potential, Caleb Daniels has to play well, right? Like, and like, it doesn't have to always be the same type of well every game, but it needs to be making three threes one game, making, you know, making a couple key steals, not turning the ball over and getting the ball raked away when you're being guarded one-on-one. Like, like just those types of things that Caleb needs to not do or do one of the, one of the other, right? Like, he needs yeah. to be involved in these games it, down the stretch in order for us to realize our full potential. I but, feel like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Finish the talk, Chris. Point being is that Dixon doesn't always have to score 31, but we need Dixon to be really, really good down the stretch. And he needs to be good at all three levels like he was in this game versus Crate. My challenge to Dixon is score 31 every game. That, I mean, that'd be great too. I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. You want the accolades? Psh, score 31 a game. Come on. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, that's I, what Maddie Seegers does. That's true. That's true. Um, Although she scored 23 both games this week. It's lame. I'll take 23 a game. No Maddie slander is allowed. It's no slander. It's more of like a ho-hum 23 Facts. points from Maddie Seegers. Um, to your point on, on Daniels, I think it's an interesting one. And just from the, the eye test, it seems like some of the shots, especially the past couple games and the decisions he's making, seem to – still almost be in the camp of what we needed from him when he was like the number one or number two option. When we had a bunch of people hurt, it seems to me like he's forcing some shots or like, Hey, this is contested, like, or it's a little bit out of rhythm, like, but I'm going to take it anyway, which we've talked about this before. And, and I thought, especially, you know, as Justin gets more into it, he'd be able to more actively just be selective and be that guy to say, I'm in the right spot. I am in rhythm. My role is to hit this shot right now, or my role is to pass this up, but to know what the difference is between the two. And I'm still feeling like some of those shots, some of the decisions that he's, he's taking right now are more in the camp of him being like that number one or number two option. So maybe if that starts to click, he does a little bit better there. Uh, maybe the results are a little bit better, but yeah, we, we need, we need better than Oh, for seven from the field, which is what he did against Creighton. If we want to, win the next two games and then make a, a run in the big East tournament, which we need to do to, to still have any hope of making the tournament. Cause let's be very clear. We are still a long way from making the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's alpha dog and Shaq fit this um, because we got some awards to dole out this week. Yeah. Rachel has made the point on this podcast that out that the alpha dog every week is Maddie Segrist. And for the season is Maddie Segrist until someone takes it from her. Maddie Segrist, Alpha Dog of the Year, kind of already locked up in the full 40 in the 40 awards that we'll do at the end of the season. That's already pretty much decided. I think it's a formality at this point, unless this unless this men's team goes on a hyper run. <laughs> um, but like, but that being said, let's talk Alpha Dog of the Week because I think it's gonna be one of the next two guys. It's gonna be Dixon, who we've talked a lot about, or it's gonna be Moore, who had 25 versus Xavier, and with the decisive basket as well the three-pointer um in that game as well so so let's let's talk about that who is the alpha dog of the week this week it's really tough it's really tough because yeah it's so easy just recency bias to say oh dixon's such a highlight but i mean <laughs> more basically willed us to that win look at the box score for for the xavier game you've got justin moore with 25 the only other player in double figures is cam with 11 mm -hmm. like that's that is absolutely wild um mm -hmm. i look i just hyped him up so much i want to give it to dixon but given those numbers and given the importance of the xavier game being the first game of the week as you articulated earlier chris i think i gotta give it to justin i think it's Justin. It's like, like, here's the thing, like Dixon at 31, it's so rare, right? Like it's actually, there was a discussion on Twitter this week. It's only happened like a little bit more than a half a dozen times where a Villanova team has a Villanova player has scored more than 30 points against a top 20 opponent. Like it's so rare that that happens that you want to give him the alpha dog of the week. 
And I think I'm basically just going to give a Shaq fit. I'm just going to throw him the Shaq for man play of the week. But like the alpha dog of the week to me has to be Justin. 25 points versus Xavier, yeah. right? To get this team the win, the decisive three ball that, that put us up just enough to hold on to that victory. And then the fact that Dixon's performance on Saturday was, I don't want to say largely in part to it, it was largely in part to himself, but like was at least somewhat credited by the fact that Moore made every right decision in the Creighton game. I said this on Twitter uh, yesterday. I feel like yesterday's game versus Creighton was the smartest I've ever seen Justin Moore play. And Justin Moore's a smart player. Don't don't get me wrong. But like that game stands out to me of just like, holy shit. This is like, this is like the Villanova senior guard doing the thing, making every right decision. What Colin Gillespie did down the stretch last year, what Jalen Brunson did down the stretch in 2018, what Ryan Diacono did in 2016. Justin Moore was that dude. He was that dude yesterday versus Creighton. And this week in general, let on, on, on Xavier, it was going out and scoring 25 points. On Creighton, it was, it was, hey, I don't need to make every single play a basket for myself. It's got to find that, got to find the guy. And the guy was Dixon versus Creighton. And you know who found him for that play that he hit that three ball after he missed the three ball earlier? It was just Justin found. So like, so like to me, the alpha dog of the week, the guy who led us to two wins this week was Justin Moore. I'm going to respectfully disagree. The alpha dog of the week is Eric Dixon. And it is for these three reasons. We talk about the Xavier game and Justin hit an absolutely huge shot at the, in the Xavier game. Did Eric turn the ball over twice in the Xavier game? Yes, we'll ignore those. Um, but, but what Eric did do was shut the door on Xavier. He got matched up on Sule Boom at the end of the game and went up straight with verticality and got a stop on the last play. That game, the door was shut because of Eric Dixon. Then Creighton, the very next game, if we're talking about alpha dogging, he looked at Kalkbrenner dead in the eyes and said, I am the alpha here and dropped 31. Not That's 21. Funny. He dropped 31 on his head. Does it, it didn't matter if he was getting to the line, getting to the lane, shooting from deep. It was Eric Dixon across the board. Eric Dixon's alpha dog of the week. He was alpha dog to, to, to Cockbrenner's cock beta. <laughs> I actually agree. I kind of agree with, with Billy. I was going to, if everybody chose uh, more, I was going to be the contrarian, but I just feel like more like, Holy agree, like played extremely well. Sorry, my dog barked. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want that on the recording. Um, he played extremely well, but I do think that when Eric, uh, like, I'm not saying Moore has an easy job because no job on this team is easy, but Eric busted his ass to cover Sule Boom in the very next game. Absolutely, he didn't just bust his ass to cover Cockbrenner, he like sent Cockbrenner packing. He like, like, like he, he like, to Billy's point, just alphaed all over Cockbrenner and was like, <laughs> like, he was like, like Cockbrenner didn't leave that building beta. He left that building like Delta. Oof. Like, you know, he had a tail between his legs, man. So I, I got to give it to Eric. And like, he just, he had so much confidence too. And I think that goes a long way with the younger guys. Cause like, you could see it with Cam, you could see it with like, Mark, even at the end of that game, like they just were, they were gelling in a way that like, I think Eric's leadership had a lot to do with. All right. Shaq fit man play of the week. Um, I think mine is just the Creighton game. If we talk, think about like classic Villanova games or just in general, you look for games that like, you know, we're locking down on defense. We hit a, bar- a barrage of threes. We expand, then we fight back. The thing that the Creighton game was missing for so much of the game was that exclamation point. Mm-hmm. And Cam Whitmore is our exclamation point maker, and he made it. So the state and got matched up. It wasn't versus Kalkbrenner, but Kalkbrenner was involved in the action, um, I believe, or at least their big was, and was able to get downhill two steps. And if Cam gets downhill 
and he's able to gather. Like if you can swipe at the ball before Cam gets it, he might get a little bit shaky because his handle's not all the way where it should be. But if he's able to gather, just pack your bags, go home because it's getting stuffed in your face and absolutely destroyed. I think it was Mason Miller who was guarding him. And I that's the exclamation point. Clam, clam, cam, clam, clam Whitmore. <laughs> Clam <laughs> the door on Creighton. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, all right. All right. So that's Cam. I don't know. I, I I feel like I'm forgetting one. I was going to default to Cam as well. I don't know. Blotty, you got anything else? You could argue that the Justin three at the end of the Xavier game was alpha dog. Wor- uh, sorry, Shaq fit worthy. But I already gave. I don't I like. Gave... I don't. I, you know, I don't like three point Shaq fits. Yeah, then I'm going to go that end one that Dixon had. Uh, where was it? It was in the Creighton game. Uh, he had an end one. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Yes, he drove the lane in the second half. Yeah, and got okay. an N one, and that put us up. That took the game was like recently at seven, and that game, and then it took it back to like twelve or fourteen. I forget the exact situation, but to me, that was like a Shaq fit man play. Yeah, I like that. Drove it yeah. hard. Got the layup, hoop in the harm, hit the free throw at the back end, and like and like that was the game. That was it. It was literally over at that point in time. Hoop in the harm. Right. I would like to give. There's one more play in the Creighton game that I actually would like to give honorable mention to, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point at which Mark Armstrong, like dribbled down he was clearly going to try to drive the lane but instead he like pulled up like he like he like he didn't really pull up but he like slowed his dribble and instead like chose to go over Cockbrenner. like he like did like a he like a fadeaway mid-range jumper and it was just like beautiful like we know that mark is really athletic and so it was pretty incredible that he could be going at full tilt down the lane and then decide i'm just gonna like not and reverse course and like it was like a perfect just like arc over Cockbrenner, there's like literally like he couldn't he couldn't do anything about it there's nothing he could do about it and it just was like I think we get so caught up in like the awesome like and I know Mark has had some good dunks too but like the awesome Cam Whitmore exclamation point dunks that like Mark is also extremely athletic and also far more likely to stay at Villanova next year so <laughs> we should hype him up a little more I don't know if he ever listens to this podcast but if he does please stay with us yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. So we got to move on to uh, let's just talk about the narrative now. Right. Like, so, so, so here's, let's, let's, let's talk the narrative, right? We're 15 and 14. We are, we We're are in the tournament. We are a five saying right now, let's and go right now. Five seed. No, um, we're not even a five seed in the big East. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but let's just talk about the, the, the narrative and the narrative started actually like midway through our game with Seth Davis talking about the fact that like, I think it was midway through a game. might be at the end of the game, but he was talking about the fact on CBS, different network that, um, Oh, if Villanova go on a little run here, they actually could be in the tournament conversation. And that got met with like a lot of ire. People were just like, what do you mean? You're 14 and 14. How could you say such a terrible thing and whatever? Meanwhile, Villanova fans, broadly speaking, have been like, no, I mean, candidly, we've been saying this the whole time. Like we end the game, we end the year on like a lot of quad one, quad two ish games in a row. So we can like very, very quickly and abruptly build a resume at the end of the, at the end of the year. Now, all of that was predicated on the fact that we actually had to fucking win a game <laughs> because we hadn't done that. Um, and so coming into this week at 13 and 14, you're like, yeah, we're probably not. We're Like I had the golf vest on last week. I'm like, we're not going to make the NCAA tournament here because like we didn't do that. We, we, we didn't prove to anybody that we could do that. Then you add the Xavier game. Then you add a Creighton blowout. And all of a sudden, in two quad one games, you have two your two first wins against quad one all in the same week. And oh, by the way, you have a quad two game at Hall on on Tuesday, and a quad one game at home versus UConn on on Saturday. And then you have the Big East tournament, where 
you're probably getting at least one more, if not two more quad one opportunities to finish the season. So you, you put that all together and all of a sudden you're looking at a team that could in theory have four or five quad one wins, which is kind of like the mark that you look for, for a team to have. Right. So, so, so is it, is it now all of a sudden, so, so that was what Seth Davis was alluding to. And obviously it was met with understandable ire from people who were just like, I've just talked about North Carolina, right? Like they got one quad one win to their name and I got to be that they have to shove the Tar Heels down my throat. Now you're talking that the Villanova Wildcats are all of a sudden in the picture and the 15 and 14, what the fuck? And it's like, no, no, no. Let's just be clear here. We are not in the tournament conversation at all right now. We are not. As we sit here today, if the season ends today, we are happy to be in the NIT. Right? Like, like just just be honest. Right? Yeah, yeah. This is, this is, we're not even saying, we're not even in the tournament. We're not even in the tournament conversation. We need to go on a run to get, to get into the conversation. Right. To have a considerations element. The fact that there are, that there's conversation happening. In the media, there's, there's conversation about the conversation. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Well said. Well said, yeah. Rob. We're, we're, we've been in this position for a lot of the season, in position to be in position. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now we're like, finally in that position to be in that yes, position. Yes, we are finally in the position to be in the position to be in the position. <laughs> so oh, now that God. we've assumed the position, <laughs> oh, oh boy, man. it's getting off the rails. Uh, but, but like, no, seriously, now that we've been, now that we're in this position that we are in right now, we do have an opportunity in front of us. There is one last gasp effort that we could make to potentially be an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. One, one path. Okay. That path constitutes the following. We have to beat Seton Hall on Tuesday. We have to beat UConn on Saturday. We have to beat probably Georgetown. If the first two happen, it's going to be Georgetown on Wednesday of the Big East tournament. And then we have to beat Providence X or Creighton. We don't know who's going to be on quarterfinal Thursday. And you add those four to our win total, and all of a sudden you're 19 and 14. 19 wins has kind of been for a major conference, like high-end conference team, kind of been like a dividing line of like, yeah, you can make it at 19. It's not a given, but you can make it at 19 if you're a high-end major conference team. And oh, by the way, our conference has five ranked teams in it. Probably will be four by the end of this week, but like five ranked teams in it. So you could argue that like that might be enough. I don't think it will be. I really don't think it will be. Um, I think you need the, the semifinal win to then be an at-large team. But if you look at the team that won the so, – so like let's just look at that. The resume has to be there. Resume has to be there. But you play the eye test scenario, and this is where the situation gets a little bit hairy – is you run the eye test, it's the committee's eye test. Is this one of the best 36 at large like teams that we can just say, okay, this is one of the best 36. We're going to give give them a tournament bid. If you look at just the last week, I think the answer is yes. I think we played like one of the top 36, top 10% of teams in the country. This last week, I think we were. Like, let's, but like, let's, ju- let's just send this one week clip to the committee. Yeah, like, hey, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. But like, did we pass the eye test this week? I'd say oh, yeah. we did. Flying colors. Yeah, this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah of course. But, of course. But like, you're, you're selecting it on March uh, 12th, right? Like, so on March 12th, is this one of the 30, top 36 teams in the country? I would say the eye test would tell you yes. Now, you can't if, just apply if, the eye if test. we if we ran off those if we ran off those four or five wins yeah. right now at fifteen and fourteen sure. yeah, yeah yeah the eye test might tell you one thing but you can't rely on your eyes you have to rely on the mass right like we have to put the committee in a position to make a hard decision right like and right now we're not there but we could get there right like, that's the point is that we could get there there is a path where we could get there now looking ahead as to what we have in front of us. Beating Seton Hall in Newark is no easy task. Just be clear. Uh, I think we will win that game. Beating UConn right now 
is really fucking hard. And I guess I'll just throw my preview in here right now. UConn of late looks like the UConn that I was fucking all over in November and December. Because it's coming. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's been coming for UConn. <laughs> they they have looked whew, they have looked real good of late. They absolutely blew the doors off of absolutely blew the doors off of Providence earlier this week, um, and it was it was ugly. It, it, they just absolutely throttled them start to finish, and so and so UConn looks a lot the part. Now UConn has not performed on the road uh, by and large this year. So, so they, we are the opportunity for them to fail on the road, but they've looked really good, really good. But they, so they're looking at this game. And I think earlier in the season, we said, well, you kind of have something to play for in this game. Turns out they do because, because the committee left them off of the top four seed line situation, which was the wrong decision, by the way, by based on the NCAA tournament committee's criteria that they say that they apply UConn not being a top four seed in the last in the bracket reveal was a farce. It was a disaster of a decision. That being said, they didn't do that. So UConn feels now slighted by that and now feels like they have to win and win big to find their way into a top three, four protected seed category in the NCAA tournament. So this is no easy task for this Villanova team to go and win two wins this week. So if anyone's sitting there being like, yeah, we beat Creighton at home, so we're going to beat UConn at home. Like, like, uh, pump the brakes because because this is a big week that we are about to have. If this week does happen, then let's rev the engine up, baby, because because the Big East tournament train is coming and this team's cooking. But but until that point happens, you can't genuinely say that you think this team is going to make an at-large run without acknowledging the fact that in order to do that, you have to get an away win at Hall. And you have to beat UConn at home, which has played like one of the top 10 teams in the country in the last, in the last several weeks. Right. And so basically, I also want to kind of compare this with where we were last week too, right? Because last week we had a a discussion coming off of the loss against Providence, where we were basically, maybe it's just me because I remember what I say pretty negative we're like it's like this i don't know what we're talking about here and and i want to level set on what we're saying here because I, I think we're pretty much on the same page what we're saying is that like what we saw this week showed combined with then the three wins against bad teams that we saw in the weeks preceding priors like the growth that we saw and then the way that we won this week gives you enough inspiration call it to be able to potentially look ahead and say okay i've seen enough i've seen what the potential and what the high points of this team could look like and the high points of this team are actually good enough to beat some of the better teams in the country which we need to do going forward and i think until this past week we had not seen that Mm -hmm. there was no week where you could point to it and say this team has a ceiling that's good enough to compete and good enough to be in the yeah. tournament. Now that we now that we have seen that and seen it in back-to-back games, that I think gives us a little bit more comfort to start to say, okay, let's fan it. Like, call what is we're still fantasizing a little bit. Let's fantasize a little bit it about yeah. how we could get four wins in a row, which while it is a fantasy does seem a bit more plausible in my mind seems far more plausible than it did just a week ago so all that all that being said we've got a lot of work to do we are we are approaching the point where we can have a conversation about being in the conversation about the tournament (laughs) we're a couple steps away this next week is huge we have to be clear we have to win both games if you lose one this is this is over. If like you, lose you, have one, to, you have to win the Big East. Then tournament. you win the Big East tournament. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's it. it. I feel good about our chances of making the tournament if we win the Big East tournament. That I feel I feel comfortable. <laughs> with. Um, but yes, like that's it. Like full stop. You gotta win these two. So I've been trying to do research because I'm just thinking that magic number for quad one wins. 
figuring out what that number is. And I just wanted to know what the NET or what the net had done historically for that. It feels like, I mean, only one team has ever gotten six and ever. It's been like three years or three seasons of this, but only one team has ever gotten to six quad one wins and not made the tournament. That was Indiana in 2019. They were, they went 17 and 15 and had six quad one wins. If we're looking at this from a non, like just at large perspective and not getting the auto bid, we're probably going to be at four, maybe five, depending on what happens with Seton Hall's um, net ranking. Seton Hall is going to be a quad two. It's going to be, yeah, I guess it has to. It's going to be a quad two. It's a quad two now. It's it's, going to be a quad two, yeah. I hate to say it. I I love Hall. I love Shaheen Holloway. I just don't see their path going forward. They've they've leveled off. Kadari Richmond didn't even play in the last game. Like, I, I think they've leveled off. Okay. Well, then we're looking at like assuming we get we get in the scenario of win out Big East title game and then lose that and the, the at large the the only way an at large is potentially going to happen it's that and that gets us to five quad one wins and I've I mean just going through it there was a bunch of teams that have had five that have been left off so even if we do this this is the point I'm saying is the NCAA has precedent precedent set to not let a team that has five quad one wins in not every team has the narrative that we have of how we've been playing down the stretch. So that's kind of what, I mean, win the games and we'll have this conversation keep going. If we lose this conversation's move and it's win form MSG somehow. Now there's one other point to point out here. The committee has very frequently in the last two years shown that like they just discount games that happen in conference tournaments. Like, mm-hmm. like last year was a big narrative and like Lucas Harkins, who we had on the podcast uh, last year when we were talking bracketology with him, like he was way off, like, and not way off. Sorry. I shouldn't say that. He, he had a good bracket, but like, but, but like way off versus how he normally performs. He's normally like a top 10 bracketologist in the country. And like, he had like a, he had a very tough performance this last season and he says that the reason why he had a tough performance was that he didn't realize that the committee was going to pay no mind whatsoever to the conference tournament results. So, so in theory, right? Like you could be looking at a situation where the conference tournament results that we're talking about of, well, beating Georgetown doesn't count anyway, but like being Georgetown's a given, um, beating, Providence and Xavier or Providence and Creighton or Xavier and Creighton, whatever it may look like two games in a row gets discounted or like only mm. treated as one it's good win. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. I don't know how to say it better than that. That's, that's so like, yeah. so yeah. like it gets discounted a little bit. Now, now I do think that that gets counterbalanced by the Justin Moore factor, the Cam Whitmore factor, the the Jordan Longino factor where at full strength Villanova is four and one this year. <laughs> like if you're just submitting a if you're submitting a tournament resume, Villanova should and, and that's not actually what happens, but like Villanova should submit four and one. This is who we are. We've won four games. One was a quad one that we lost. We won two quad one games. We're four and one. Make a decision, right? Like, but like, but like basically, like. That's what Villanova's argument is, right? Like it's 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 an argument that says we had high, notable, very well-known injuries to this team. We were at non-full strength for a very long period of time this season. And and we're four and one at full strength. And without more, but with Whitmore and Longino, oh sorry, with Whitmore and Longino, just adding those two, we're 10 and three. Right. Like, and that's the, the, this is the argument, right? Like to say, like, when you have, when you have our full complement of players, we're that we're, we're, we're really good. That counterbalances the tournament, not counting as much, I think it kind of levels us out to a point where it's like, okay, we kind of need to prove this out. To Rob's point before, I feel really good about our chances to make the NCAA tournament if we win the conference tournament. Uh, but but I do believe that there is a path. And I think the path is that we make the conference final. I think we have to make the Big East tournament final. I think at 19 and 14, we create a conversation in the room. I think that we become one of those like first four out, second four out teams that like people like 
a couple people complain about, some media heads complain about, it almost becomes like the, the like, how could you leave out Villanova? They didn't have this guy. And look at this team. I think this team is playing like one of the top 40 teams in the country. How could you leave them out? Like, I think that might be where we are at 19 and 14. At 20 and 14, and then 20 and 15 after you, if you factor in a loss in the conference final, I think you put enough pressure at 20 wins. 20 is a nice number. 20 is a nice number. And we played one of the hardest strengths of schedules in the country. I, I feel like at 20, like it's really hard to leave us out. Really hard to leave out a 20 and 15 Villanova team. I, I just like, I, I just, I can't get over that fact. I feel like at 20 wins, this team has to make it. So, so, so just win five in a row. No big deal. Just win five in a row. And oh, by the way, pick up three quad one wins in the process. No big deal. If we do that, great. <laughs> Now, now let's just be realistic and backtrack a, a lot here because we've talked about the, the NCAA conversation. Let's talk about what these games this week has meant for the program. This program has felt in turmoil all year, right? Like, like we had a podcast a few weeks ago where we basically yelled at everybody, their mother, right? Like, like um, including myself. Like, like we we had conversations left and right about the fact of like. People are like, really like, is Kyle Neptune the guy? Are recruits going to come? Are we going to get anybody in the portal? Are people going to transfer out at the end of the season because they're not happy with how this, this, this program is going and whatever. And I do feel like the last week has gone a long, long way to kind of calming everything down. And if you want to talk about like, like we're all revved up right now. And I want to like get everyone back on level a little bit, which I know I'm like one of the people who are like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. Like whatever. But like, but like realistically, like let's get everyone on level. This team hurt itself earlier in the year. If we don't lose to DePaul, if we don't lose to Portland, who is terrible, right? Like if we don't lose to Oregon, who had like walk-ons playing, right? Like you don't, you don't lose to Temple, whatever you can point out like seven games where we were like within five points within the last three minutes of the game. You don't lose, you don't lose some of those games. This team is looking at like 18 and 11, 19 and 10, right? We're not having this conversation. So like, it's painful that this team has been in a position where, where we're like, now we're talking about like the last gasp effort to potentially get in the tournament, which could write like one of the most exciting stories of Villanova making the tournament ever, right? Like, but like realistically, like we didn't have to be in this position. At the same time, like it's been a very difficult year and to see this team get hot late definitely eases some of the concerns from earlier in the season. So my point is basically like, we need to like take a step back and just appreciate this for what it is, which is basically like we have proven that the coaching staff is company that with good players, we can make, we, we can do really what good things and that Villanova basketball as a thing, like the concept works, right? Like, so like it's proven that point out. So I feel like we could take a little bit of like a deep breath here and say, okay, like we're going to be fine. And even if it doesn't work out this season, we can be okay, right? Like, and that's where I feel like the takeaway from this season, is, from, from this week is, if I'm being really level-headed about it, is like, we can all take a step back and just relax a little bit. That like, the school's not going to go shit. The program's not going to go shit. Like, like there's, there's, there's good people at the helm. Like if Kyle Neptune doesn't end up being the guy, he's not the guy, but like, but like, there's a lot to like about Villanova basketball as an entity right now after like finally seeing how like really works in, in, in process. So like, that's the point that I want to say is I do feel like this week does go that little extra bit for future recruits, for, for, for transfer portal guys, for whatever, like the notoriety feels a little bit back. Even if the even if Villanova is not quote unquote fully back, even if the tournament hopes are not back, it feels like, yeah, this is a program and a team that can actually make something happen in the future. It changes the narrative from being a damaging year to just a down year. That's just what it is. You know, yeah. pro programs have down years. Dukes had down years. Um, 
you know, Kentucky's had down years. These blue blood, the ones that we want to be in the conversation with, they've all had down years before. And that's just what it is. It's a down year and then you bounce back. This changes that narrative. Um, and then speaking of narratives, I mean, we spoke about this all season long, just to go back to the fact that like it sucks that we lost those games because every time we're like, well, just wait till Justin comes back. Just wait till they come till Cam comes back. Just wait till Jordan's back. Wait till we're full strength. And we're finally there. But all those losses and those just waits is why we need to win five in a row. If we were able to pull two, three, two or three out of those, maybe we don't need to win till get till Friday. Maybe it's just you need to win Thursday and you're in, you know? So it's, it's a little bit disappointing to see that, but overall this last week gives, I think should give everyone the ability to look forward and be like, we're going to be all right. It's true. It, it's uh, I'll, I'll temper, I'll temper a little bit here. It's just like, as well as you're saying, it's like, that's why we need to win five in a row. That is such an ask. Is this team going to win five in a row? I'd love to see us. I don't think I don't think they're going to, but I agree with the general points of this past week was was huge in terms of the overall narrative. I I can't agree with that more. I have to imagine Kyle after the Xavier win, like that locker room. Kyle was probably so fucking pumped up. It's I, I can only imagine. So I don't know. We'll see what the we'll see what next week brings. Hopefully it's two and zero, oh and then we can keep fantasizing about a five and zero oh run. But uh I'm not holding. Oh, well, if it's two or no, then I'm going to be. Let's do it this way. Let's just be honest. <laughs> on <laughs> Sunday next week, when we record the next podcast, if if that's a two and a week, I'm going to be on. I'm going to be on like full tilt. We're going to be on full fucking send, um, going into the Big East tournament because I'm going to be like we're going to beat Georgetown, and then we're going to beat, and then we're going to be Providence, and then we're going to beat UConn, and then we're going to beat, and, then we're, gonna, and we're going to the NCAA tournament final four. <laughs> i'm gonna be fucking howard deaning on the next podcast if we go to oh another i can promise you that i can Rem- promise remember, you there will be no that- temperance there will be no temperance in before next- primo spears drops 40 on us in the oh, first game. oh my god yeah. yeah he'll drop 40 and everybody else will drop zero so we're okay <laughs> yeah yeah well primo spears will drop 40 and we'll win 60 to 40 no problem i'm good <laughs> yeah 100 percent. yeah um, but I God. promise you, no temperance. We are full set if we go to another week. A hundred percent. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so I guess are we going to another week? What's the, what's the prediction? No, we're not going to another. Week. <laughs> <laughs> we're going one on one. We're going one on one. We're going to be Hall. We're going to beat Hall on Tuesday. Um, I I said it before. I alluded to this before. Kadar Richmond didn't play in the last game. I think he'll probably play. I think it was an illness. I'm not 100% sure exactly what the situation was. Uh, but Kadari didn't play versus Xavier. They got absolutely blasted. Um, I just think that they play hard for uh, for Shaheen. But I feel like the last game that they played versus Xavier was kind of it for them. Like, I just don't know about – I just don't know about Hall – like, it just feels like they just don't have enough pieces. And look, I could be eating my words really bad, but like, they're going to play us tough defensively. It's going to be a slog. It's going to be annoying as shit. I still feel like we win that game like 64 to like 56 at the end of the day. Like, it's not going to be a fun game. No one's going to come away with it feeling particularly great. But like, I feel like it's going to be one of those games that we just slog it out. But we're playing confidently. They're not like I feel like it's just one of those schedule games where, like, schedule wise, like we're just kind of on a heater right now, and they are not. And so, and so, I feel like that's why we'll beat Hall. UConn is on a heater, and they're on, and they have a higher ceiling than we do. And so, I just I'm really struggling to see the path to a victory versus UConn. Um, and I know people have said this whole entire year that Chris, like you've been dick riding UConn so fucking hard, like, you, like just let off for once, like whatever. And it's true. I have, I have, but when they look good, they look like the best team in the country. Like I really like to truly believe that when they look bad, they don't look good at all, but when they look good, they look really good. When Hawkins, when Jordan Hawkins is hitting threes left and right. And, and they're getting a lot of contributions from like Alex Caravan and, and those guys like, it's it's they're they're really tough. And so I'm really struggling to see how we keep it to them. Now I tell I can tell you the game plan versus them, it's to slow it the fuck down, is to is to not let them get run away with it. Not that they play like 
great transition, but they want to get up and down the court a lot faster than we do for sure. And so game plan discipline is going to be like the most critical factor to beating UConn. How we beat UConn, it looks a lot like some of the UConn victories that we had, like, I want to say like 12, 15 years ago, where like Scotty Reynolds drops a bucket off, uh, you know, above Hashim Thabit, like, and like we win 66, 64 or something like that. Like, I feel like, I feel like the path to beating UConn is going to be like a Justin Moore bucket late in that game in a low scoring rock fight affair. That's going to be something along those lines. That's how I think you beat UConn. I think you can beat UConn. I don't think it's out of the question. I just think that we're going to need to combine a game played at our pace with like making the key point, the key plays, the key points in time. So I have like one and one in my head this week. Yeah. When you're, when you're on your, when you're hosting your UConn Twitter spaces later tonight, tell the UConn fans that I said, we're going two and oh this week. We're going to beat Seton Hall. We're going to beat UConn. I don't think we're going to go five and zero, oh, to be clear, but we're going to win because of what we talked about earlier. The fact that the man Slim Dix is going to get it done against the big timbers underneath of Sunogo and whoever the hell the other guy Clingin, is on Yukon. Donovan Klingon, man. <laughs> doesn't even fucking matter. He's another tall guy in there. Um, <laughs> neither of whom can keep up with our man Slim Dix, who is absolutely on a heater. He's going to get it done. Let's go inside out. Let's go 2-0, and baby. Let's get the hype train rolling. The uh, Crompton Ale House needs our business for the Big East tournament. So let's give them a show and get that energy going. So we've had, you know, a tepid response. We've had a higher response. I'm not going to go and say 0-2. That's just not what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to say 2-0 and um, only because, Chris, we were talking about the whole blueprint for the UConn game. We did it. On the game that we played versus UConn at UConn on the 28th, we showed the blueprint. We did it and we executed it without Justin versus a UConn team that was just as hot as they are now. That was a 13-0 UConn team that was peaking at home. We lost by eight. We lost by eight, but we were we were we had a chance to get the lead with two minutes and 30 seconds left with home fit or with home court with a with a Justin Moore with a UConn team that like, yes, they're playing better, but we their flaws have been way more exposed now. I'm gonna pick a win. I think, and you know what? I'm going to even go far. I'm going to, people are going to, this might be a lot. I'm going to go ahead and say we win because Kyle Neptune outcoaches Hurley. Wow. Wow. Well, some people in, in, in both fan bases yeah. will say, will <laughs> say, that's fully plausible. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very true. Yeah, yeah. Um, fuck, you guys are going to make me believe. <laughs> this I mean, is we, like the- uh, We got to believe, right? This is, this is the- uh, this is that meme, like, oh fuck, you're gonna make <laughs> 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 oh fuck, you're gonna make me change my vote and say two and up. Um now keep it one on one. We need that. It's weird, right? Like it's weird coming from me being like the the fucking the fucking level headed guy. It's just because you're such a Yukon fan. Jesus Christ, man. Hey, you're just picking up school after school at this point. You're like, oh, I'm the Seton Hall guy, I'm the Yukon guy. You just you just do everything. Just wait know, till St. Louis joins the Big East. Do you even like Villanova? Villanova's playing all my favorite teams this week. I love Hall. <laughs> I love UConn. They're playing it's, all my it's just big, big collect them all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just want to have. I just want to be safe. That's all. I just want safety. That's all. Uh, no. Uh, in all seriousness, though, I, I look. I believe that beating UConn is definitely on the table. I just think that it's just like, ugh. like I just like. I wish we weren't playing UConn. I wish we were playing Providence again. Like I wish we were playing a team that just like. Wasn't as hot as UConn was. That's like that's basically it. Like Rob, you talk all the time about how you're like on vibes. Yeah, like, yeah. Like this to me is like a vibes. Like the UConn game is a vibes game, and it's like a it's I like a. You. Yeah, I'm getting enough vibes from the, from the Nova guys, so we'll see. I, I like our vibes too, man. Love the vibes of Villanova right now. Clam Whitmore, baby. Clam Whitmore. That's I can't nice. think that's that nice. should be his nickname. It should be Slam Whitmore. It's it really, Slam Whitmore is right there. I don't get how no one said it. It's easy. Um, all right. So, so then you got the Big East tournament. Uh, so, so what do you guys think is actually going to happen 
Predict it right now. NCAA, NIT, nothing. Make a prediction. I think we'll NIT it. I think we'll NIT. I think we win two this week. I think we beat Georgetown, and I think we lose to Providence or whoever we're playing. And then, and then we're out, and then we're not in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, look, making the NIT is like the obvious. Um, is the obvious one. Because if we get the whole win on Tuesday, I feel like we lock in eligibility for the NIT. We'd be at least 500, yeah. Yeah. If you lose to Georgetown, I don't know if you make the NIT, but I feel like our name and name alone. They'll, yeah, they'll want us there based off the name. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be really fucking crazy here because I'm gonna go the opposite of what I said. Whatever we do this week, I feel like we'll do whatever we need to do the following. <laughs> How about that? What does that mean? He's saying we got. He's saying we win the Big East tournament based on what he just said. <laughs> he's saying we go one and one, and then the implication. If is we go two and zero, if we go two and zero, we're not gonna beat UConn in the Big East tournament final because UConn's gonna make the Big East tournament final. If we go one and one, we're gonna beat UConn in the Big East tournament. <laughs> All right. All right. Heard it here first. Love it. Probably Anything else, guys? Anything else? Place on your Anything else? Fuck it. Like, what is it? What, what, what's the harm? What's the harm at this point? There's no harm. Um, full send, baby. What? What's anything else? Good on my end. I think we're good. Exciting week. Exciting fun week. No, I mean, fun, like, week. fun week. There's nothing else that you could ask for. Coming into March, feeling good. Like this like, is why you're we're fans of college basketball. They have a week like that week. It's just what what college makes college basketball so great. Yeah. And what makes college basketball also so great is the heartbreak we'll feel when we lose to Seton Hall. Oh, God. <laughs> Fuck me. But there is something to be said for feeling this way going into March. There's not a lot of teams that usually feel that way. So this is something. So like, let's just hope it carries on. It's very true. All right, guys. Um, we'll be back after the final week of the regular season. Um recapping the Seton Hall and UConn games, previewing the Big East tournament. We will know what the ask is by the end of this week. We will know. We'll know what we have to do. That's number one. Number one. We know for a fact that we'll have our marching orders. So uh, let's tune in. We got a big week ahead. I think I'm going to both games, by the way. I Ooh. think I'm going to both games. So let's let's tune in. Stick with these guys. Don't stop believing. Whatever you got to do. But as I always say, as always, let's go no. Nope.